is going to be me talking off the top of my head with my Webster's Dictionary Thesaurus in my hand to help me out to some degree. So, I am so proud of myself. For healing all of the pornographic traumas, pornographic compound traumas of my childhood, my sexual past, and even as recently as a minute ago. What do I mean by that? At 12 o'clock a.m., I decided to only see porn and erotica that is therapeutic to me. I was taught to see porn and erotica that was untherapeutic to me. That means that I was taught to ejaculate to the wrong people. I was taught to fantasize about the wrong people. I was taught to be aroused by the wrong people. The wrong people meaning the majority of the mainstream pornography that exists. Um, I have also learned that I'm not able to get my sexual needs met from the majority of the mainstream porn out here. I'm not able to get my sexual needs met from the majority of erotica out here. However, I was, I I taught myself only be aroused by, fantasize, masturbate to, and view the people that are for abuse survivors and for survivors of sexual disorders. When I also made the decision see abuse survivor friendly erotic and abuse survivor friendly porn that was a sexual heavy lifting that was eased off of my biology I'll read a little bit. But for the most part, this episode will be down the top of my head. And I did mention that earlier. So I decided that from now on, any porn and any erotica 
that does not honor us survivors of gynecological disorders, reproductive disorders, sexual disorders, infertility, pelvic inflammatory disease, pregnancy complications, miscarriages, sexual dysfunction, sexually transmitted diseases, sexually transmitted infections, unsafe abortions, unwanted pregnancies, pregnancy from rape, psychosomatic disorders, chronic pain, depression, increased risk of suicide, um, mood disorders, personality disorders, psychotic disorders, eating disorders, body image disorders, sexual performance anxiety, rape trauma syndrome, psychosis, paranoia, agitation, mortality from injuries, Sexual desire disorders, arousal disorders, orgasm disorders, pain disorders, erectile dysfunction, premature ejaculation, anorgasmia, post-orgasmic disorders, Substance use disorders, alcohol use disorders, and lastly, self-esteem issues. I reject any kind of porn, any kind of erotica that does not honor all of us survivors. And I know in my heart that the type of porn erotica I'll be creating with my abuse survivor friendly erotica kind of survivors community we will make sure that survivors of for the last time gynecological disorders reproductive disorders sexual disorders infertility pelvic inflammatory disease pregnancy complications miscarriages sexual dysfunction Sexually transmitted infections, sexually transmitted diseases, mortality from injuries, increased risk of suicide, depression, chronic pain, psychosomatic disorders, unsafe abortion, unwanted pregnancy, pregnancy from rape, um, sexual desire disorders, arousal disorders, orgasm disorders, pain disorders, premature ejaculation, erectile dysfunction, anorgasmia, post-orgasmic disorders, Um, anxiety disorders, mood disorders, personality disorders, psychotic disorders, agitation, psychosis, paranoia, um, body image issues, sexual problems, anxiety, rape trauma syndrome,
body image issues and rape trauma syndrome will be listen and survivors of all types and contexts of abuse, domestic violence, rape, um, child abuse, adult abuse, all sex crimes, all violent crimes, all theft crimes, and all murder attempts will be the centrality of the erotica and porn we do. They won't be discarded like they are, we are, in the majority of mainstream porn and mainstream erotica. And I decided that I want my fellow survivors, thrivers, to give me assistance in making sure that I get constructive criticism from fellow survivor drivers on how to make porn and erotica that I'll be doing to never trauma trigger them Uh, to never trauma stressor them, to never survivor guilt them, to never trauma build them, to never trauma remind them, to never trigger, to never make them feel hypervigilance, never make them feel acute stress disorder. Um, I want to make sure that my trigger warnings, content warnings, and and my ratings does not cause them to feel uh, flashbacks, traumatic coupling, and panic, panic attacks and heart attacks. So I want to create an an outlet where we have surveys and questionnaires. I think that's very much needed because in a lot of, um, in many porn worlds, that's not what they have. Um, I'll tell you this truth. is that they do not have the bloopers. They're not transparent about their missions, their values, their practices, and their goals. They don't have behind the scenes interviews. They don't have memberships of adult industry bodies. They don't really encourage people to go on social media to see how the performers feel and how the survivors feel. They don't really talk about what it's like to be a survivor who does porn erotica. It doesn't 
really cross their minds to do that. And um, for example, um, I'm going on feministporn.org, right? And um, this is what they should be doing. This is the last time I read something episode, and I'll just go off the top mostly. I think that me and my um, abuse survivor thrivers, we're, we're going to be creating our own abuse survivor friendly um, erotica slash porn together. So we're going to have membership of adult industry bodies. We're going to have an RTA restricted to adults label in the front of the site. We're going to have mission statements, ethics statements, or transparent information about production practices. We're going to have a willingness to include behind-the-scenes content, performer interviews, survivor interviews, bloopers, like we said. We're going to have a focus on consent and descriptions and within the porn and erotica itself that we do. We're going to have y'all visit the social media profiles of producers and all the staff of our abuse survivor driver friendly erotica slash porn entity and see what they say and what is said about them those are the things that y'all can look for when it comes to us and um okay so then I thought about how um that's so important to me And I want to do those kind of things because a lot of people who are anti-porn and anti-sex work, I decided that they're one of my motivations for creating the kind of erotica in porn that they can respect. So this is my philosophy within the adult industry. Any porn category that you can't easily defend, you shouldn't be doing it. You shouldn't be performing in it. You shouldn't have it on your website. And you shouldn't be marketing it and shouldn't be distributing it. That's how I feel. Because any porn category, erotica category I'll be doing, I'll be easily defending it. There's a lot of porn categories I will not be doing as a result of it. And I'm also very careful with how I title things because some people are vulgar just to be vulgar, which is disastrous. And some people, I just want to be socially offensive just so I could be the shock jock. The folly continues. I just want to be obscene without purpose. The perpetuation of insanity. And then I just want to be profane. But you don't have a 
rational reason why, which is irrational in and of itself. That's not who and what I am. How I am when it comes to sex is this. Inside of the adult industry and outside the adult industry. I decided that the reason why I want survivors to be the bulk of my fan base, my consumers, my customers, my clientele, um, and the majority of the ones who ask, ask us questions and give us feedback and give us constructive criticism and make statements toward us more than anybody else because all non-survivors will be doing these exact same things that survivors besides survivors will be doing all these things the most in terms of the honest feedback and the reason why that is because survivors are the best at giving us and the world but in this case us the most profound wisdom like if we have any categories that may unnecessarily hurt they'll be the most on us to get rid of it but they don't have to badger us because we will get rid of it immediately um anything we say do think or feel in erotica and porn that causes them to feel a sense of dread and stomach turning stomach churning we will not do any of those things within our adult content anymore and i want to create an avenue where we get honest feedback from survivors and non-survivors about everything we think say do or feel in the porn erotica there will be no sexual cult dynamics there will be no sexual psychological manipulation. There will be no sexual emotional manipulation. There will be no sexual romantic manipulation. There will be no sexual interpersonal manipulation. There will be no sexual sensual manipulation. There will be no sexual erotica. Um, there will be erotica. There will be no sexual erotic manipulation is what I meant to say. That's important to me too. And then when I think about how I want to be in terms of creating my own award shows. I want to create the award shows where survivors get the most awards. A healthy favoritism. It's not the bad type, but people who have been oppressed are my favorite people. I prefer them more than people who haven't gone through anything. Gone through anything. Um. It's not a superiority thing for me. It's a whoever has the most pain deserves the most empathy. So let me keep going. When I look at um, my fellow survivors, I want to make sure that the type of porn erotica I do they have a voice. I want to, in my award shows, honor domestic violence shelters and homeless shelters. I feel like 
they're important too. I want to honor rehabilitation centers, recovery centers as well. Because they play a role in the adult industry having what it takes to be safe if they, if adult industry entities made up their mind to be safe havens and grace spaces for people like me. Um, what I also want to show my fellow survivors is that um, that y'all that the agency and personhood will definitely be honored with us. And y'all can, you know, the survivors, y'all can tell us what happened to you. And we have anonymous tips. Um, and what you share with us will stay anonymous. And we may only share it with trained professionals with the survivor's permission to see if we can um, best um, help them psychologically. I feel like that would be good for us to do when it comes to um, our own entity for sure. When I look at my life I think about how far I've come. Sexually speaking, let me get into that. So I also made this decision. I said to myself, That if there isn't any mainstream porn people that I can work with, I'll accept that. That's not something I'm forcing on myself or anybody, but if I do this work and I haven't been able to successfully have any mainstream porn persons come on a board for all the right reasons, I'm okay with that. And I'll only do business with um, mainstream porn companies that have a heart for those who have been abused. And if they're willing to make reasonable accommodations for survivors in terms of therapeutic eroticism, therapeutic sensuality, therapeutic sexuality, in that case, meaning being sensitive to their sexual experiences, erotic experiences, and sensual experiences, then I'll deal with them. I, I, I will only deal with the ethical people in mainstream porn. The ones who are unethical, I'll never deal with them. Ever in life. So... Those that have a history of human rights violations, those individuals and groups of people 
or they mainstream porn. We have nothing to do with each other. And those who have an excellent track record of maturing in all the right ways as a mainstream porn entity will be able to work with me. And there are ethical porn companies that, of course, they're going to want to work with me. And I say, okay, in order to work with me, make neurodiverse and neurodivergence as well as abuse survivors and survivors of sexual disorders, the centrality of why you want and need to have wholesome adult films. And if you're willing to do that, then we can work together. And I think they'll definitely work together. Like especially feminist porn companies, they'll definitely Black Antonio. I'm so glad we found you. We're going to do our excellent business together. I have the same heart for trauma victims like you do. Compound trauma victims like you do. And um, I've also learned um, that I want to have bodyguards who protects everybody those behind the camera, those off camera, and those on camera. Because of the horophobic hierarchy world we live in. I feel like um, in terms of how I am, even sexually, I decided not to force horniness on myself. I've never forced it on anybody else. But forcing on myself means masturbate even I don't feel like it. Or daydream about sex, but I'm not in the mood to do so in the moment those days are over. From now on when I self-pleasure, I think of, I create attractive adults in my head to do that. To self-ejaculate. I clean up, but I don't picture the porn I used to watch within my sexual fantasies anymore. When I um, decided to also I, I now have nocturnal emissions of the attractive adults I created in my head. No longer the porn I used to watch. No longer those who raped me as a child. No longer those who were my past lovers. My sexual fantasies are I invent the attractive adults in my head like I've been saying. 
and they're shaped the way I make them, the way I, I, they look the way I like. And we have interactions that I create full length in my head. That's therapeutic to me. Um, everything sexual I think say do and feel is because of joy and triumph and victory no longer because of anguish loneliness and misery so What I'm grateful for is I fully overcame my sexual past years high. Back then, were the non-black women that I was involved with, did they believe in all the sexual stereotypes and body stereotypes of black men that you could think of? Yes, they did. And they felt that I upheld every sexual stereotype every bodily stereotype of black men that you can think of and they told me so gleefully speaking and they bragged to other non-black women in their lives gleefully speaking to and did the black women at the time believe in all the bodily stereotypes and sexual stereotypes of black men yes they felt like I they felt like that they they too felt like oh Antonio upholds every sexual stereotype and every bodily stereotype of black men they told me so gleefully and they told other black women their lives gleefully speaking too and I remember they tried to keep all the men in their the men tried to keep all the women in their lives from me so I'll tell you this husbands were trying to keep their wives from me nephews were trying to keep their aunties from me male cousins were trying to keep their female cousins from me nephews were trying to keep their nieces you know it's like nephews were Nephews were trying to keep their arms from me. Husbands were trying to keep their wives from me. Male cousins were trying to keep their female cousins from me. Uncles were trying to keep their nieces from me. Brothers were trying to keep their sisters from me. Sons were trying to keep their mothers from me. Boyfriends were trying to keep their girlfriends from me. Male casual sex buddies were trying to keep their female casual sex buddies from me. Men were trying to keep the the doctors and their their female doctors in their lives from me. Males were trying to keep their female dentists in their lives from me. Men were trying to keep their female classmates from me. Men were trying to keep their female neighbors from me. 
fathers were trying to keep their daughters from me. Grandsons were trying to keep their grandmothers from me. were trying to keep their women friends from me. Men colleagues were trying to keep their female colleagues from me. Men associates were trying to keep their female associates from me. And lastly, men acquaintances were trying to keep their female acquaintances from me. Male co-workers were trying to keep their female co-workers away from me. Were they ever successful? Never. Because I... Me and all these, all these women slept with me, and I slept with all these women. Am I bragging? No. Am I proud of what happened? No. Do I glorify what happened? No. Do I provide glitz and glamour to what happened? No. Do I magnify what happened? No. But I'm just being upfront and factual about what my turbulent sexual past was like back then. Men didn't trust me to be alone with the women in their lives. And it's a brutalizing melancholy that I can tell you that I feel. And at the same time, um, there was this, there were sayings that Antonio's the black Hugh Hefner. are his playmates. He's the playboy. And the playboy mansion is what he turned our homes into. Meaning the women's homes. The women used to have a saying that as soon as Antonio stepped in my house, as soon as Antonio stepped in my apartment, He became the man of the house. He became the man of the apartment. That means that there were people that were like, but 
isn't your name in the rent and the mortgage? And they would say, I don't care what that piece of shit paper has to say. Antonio's name is on the paper in the mortgage. It never legally officially was, but they're like, since he's the man of the house, in my mind, his name was on the mortgage and the rent. Antonio controls everything in this house, in this apartment. He runs everything in this house, in this apartment. And no one can change my mind on any of these such things. That's how they felt. So they let me decide who comes in the house, who doesn't. Who lives there, who doesn't. They let me decide who's in their phone, who doesn't. Who emails them, who doesn't. And who talks to them in person, who doesn't. Who they go see in person, who doesn't. What groceries will and will not come in the home, etc. They gave me the power to rent, to run all their, to completely run all their households for them. Because pretty much every woman I was with, in terms of sexually speaking, they all were um, very traditional women. So they wanted, so they chose to submit to me even though I cautioned them against it. And so I couldn't stop them from submitting to me. Um, They were like, no, the man never cooks as the woman I always cook. So when I would try to cook for them, they would never let me. They were like, no, that's, I'm the woman, I do that. And they would let me take out the trash. They were very um, old school about men do these things, women do these things, even though... um, They were, um, from what I remember, they were, like, into the man being the leader of the home and the leader of the relationship and the leader of the bedroom. And they had me be the leader in all three ways. And... From what I remember, they barely called me by my first name. The only time they did is if they were introducing me or talking to other people about me in terms of how I carried myself as a chivalrous, knightly gentleman. And, um, I remember that for the most part, I was referred to as daddy by them. Um,
I remember um, they wanted me to punish them whenever they misbehaved. Um, Spanking was what they had me do to them whenever they misbehave and other times they just wanted me to spank them for fun which happened um I remember um they at some point wanted to have children they're like well I'm an old fashioned lady my old fashioned woman not having kids is unacceptable so there was a plan to get them pregnant once I finished my studies obviously it never happened and the reason why they're so adamant about children was they felt that I was because of my personality characteristics they wanted those passed on down to my to the kids and they wanted my exact looks to be passed down to the kids they thought well excellent temperament and excellent body is going to be genetic when it comes to our seed or offspring I then remember um, they they liked when I kept telling them what to do. about it but it was it was something that um, that I gave into because they wouldn't have it any other way At the time, we felt we were irresistible to each other, 100%. We felt like we were under each other's captivating Harry Potter-type magic spells. at my life
And seeing in the men were always dismayed to have me alone with the women in their lives. To know that sons tried to keep their mothers from me, and I and me and their mothers were sexually involved. And to know that the men were always heartbroken when the women would run off, come see me, and were upfront about the men. I'm like, they were like, yeah, you don't want me to see him, but I'm gonna go see him. And I know you don't want me to have sex with him, but I'm gonna do it anyway, and that's usually what would happen. I'm acknowledging, not glamorizing anything. So, I can honestly say that, yeah, those those things happen because trauma creates a sense of internal dissociation and external dissociation. That's what happened. Um, the last part of my sexual past was basically um, a lot of guys are like, if you leave here, if you leave any woman in your life around Antonio. She's going to get um, ravaged. Such a crude term for sex. But um, I had no comeback at the time because usually when I was with a woman, 9.9 times out of 10, we were having sex as soon as possible and I didn't know how to be nice to a woman without sex I didn't know how for a woman to be nice to me without sex I never tried to like have sex with a woman from a male pig standpoint but I was so used to hey me and a woman we act nice we're really comfortable we make love that's what I was taught that's how it works in the organized crime world. I know that's a damn lie, but, and it's a damn shame too, but that's what I was taught back then. And, um, I didn't know how to go about sexual influences I didn't know how to resist erotic temptations. I didn't know how to wisely react and wisely respond to uh, sensual areas of vulnerability. I didn't know how to handle temptresses 
as that's a word I heard in church and I didn't know how to deal with women who tempt men I didn't know how to deal with men who tempt women I didn't know how to deal with tempters male tempters because a tempstress is a female tempter so no I didn't know how to go about any of these things to be honest with you And honestly, um, I didn't know how to stay away from sexual chaos, sexual calamities, and sexual catastrophes either. I didn't know how to keep those things from me, sexually speaking. Radically speaking, essentially speaking. As engaging in extreme serial womanizing, excessive serial womanizing, out of out of immeasurable sorrow and well beyond compare. That's the final, the finality of my sexual past. Now let's talk about what sex is like for me moving forward. But before I do, hold on. The women wanted me to dictate everything in their lives. Their car, their clothes, everything. They let me dictate everything in their lives. It's hurtful. It's harmful back then. Now that's the finality of my sexual past. Now we can move forward officially to... Uh, what sex will be like for me moving forward. This thought came in my mind to first deal with the subject. I struggled with the concept of doing adult films because... I am naturally a, a, a don't kiss and tell gentleman. But the reason what helped me to overcome that struggle is that if it wasn't for survivors telling me that my doing adult films is therapeutic to them, I would never have tried to do adult films in the first place to begin with. Sounds redundant, but that's how I feel. And I even said to myself, I can't deny survivors what we truly need. I feel that it is a grave 
unjustness to deny survivors what they rightly, rightfully, holistically, wholesomely need. Where'd that struggle come from? Besides my childhood, religious upbringing, conservative theological upbringing. But I do know that there are people who, regardless of their views on religion, for example, they will appreciate my adult films. They may not like the adult films of other people. They go, well, at least I dig your stuff, Tony. It means the hell of a whole much to 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 me and mine my people I really felt like this When I think about how sex would be like for me moving forward, I'm also mindful of the fact that um, that I for the most part I won't get to have sex and dating not because of a work-life imbalance but because of I've been called to retirement centers. I've been called to help out the elderly. I've been called to be a direct support professional and an advocate of the elderly. That's the last set of reasons why I have to spend more time the majority of my time actually not experiencing sexual moments. In other words, Most of my time will not be spent having sex. Most of my time will not be spent 
having dating. Most of my time will be spent doing servant leadership. Social entrepreneurship. And doing my coaching, my consulting, and my counseling of people. Most of my time will be spent having to do self-care because what what I've been called to do requires uncountable form of self-care. Most of my time will be spent making healthy sacrifices. That's what makes me mostly celibate. I said mostly celibate because I'm going to have enough time for intercourse and being lovey-dovey. Plus my erotic porn endeavor. But for the most part, I'll be dealing with the building the community of adults and building the community of children. I have to be the village of adults and the children. And so, that is what has truly been the anchor of my sexual and romantic regimen, so to speak. So my fellow survivor thrivers and I, we decided when it comes to our own impending future erotica slash porn industry that we're going to do 
background checks on everybody. Those on camera, those behind the camera, executive leadership, and the lower level staffers. That means they all will get thorough criminal history background checks. Thorough past employment verification background checks. Thorough education verification background checks. Thorough reference checks background checks. Thorough drug screening background checks. Thorough alcohol screening background checks. Thorough sexual offenses checks background checks. Thorough credit background checks. Thorough social media behavior checks background checks. Thorough driving records background checks. Thorough professional license and certification checks background checks. Thorough social security number trace slash identity checks background checks. Thorough global sanction checks background checks. Thorough civil offenses checks, background checks. Thorough bankruptcy checks, background checks. Thorough financial regulations checks, background checks. Thorough psychometric tests, background checks. Thorough international background checks. Thorough gamer profile checks, background checks. say this the background checks will be under the equal justice under the law clause that means that the background checks will be free of all kinds of discrimination as well as freedom of all kinds of bigotry and everyone will receive polygraph tests. Because we want to make sure that anyone dealing with us is not of ill repute. We will be interviewing people that know of the people who are interested in working with us. And finally... We will have our own 
vetting, online vetting. When it comes to those interested in working with us, as well as making sure that everybody that wants to work with us gets psychological evaluations. So we know that who we're dealing with are people that we don't have to worry about. Oh, if and as part of the background checks, everybody, you know, will get uh, truthful reports from our detectives, our inspectors, our principal investigators, our new investigators, our clinical investigators, as well as our private investigators, too. Including our detectives, our hotel detectives, our store detectives, our private police, and our company police. That's something that um, many uh, uh, adult industry entities don't think of. Some do, but not enough do in my judgment. And I decided that these are very much things that we have to do in this kind of world that we're all sharing with one another. And to be fair, I'm willing to go through all these kinds of background checks all these kinds of evaluations, all these kinds of investigators, detectives, and we're willing to, me and my fellows, abuse survivor drivers, we're willing to completely background check ourselves in all these kinds of ways too. And um, how often these background checks happen, maybe every two to three years, so we can have that as a part of our accountability system because nobody's allowed to be disreputable. Because what we think, say, feel, and do for a lot of people will be generalizations of how all sex work people are so we decided to associate ourselves with people that live above reproach 
um, sexually and non-sexually because that is who and what we are. We live above reproach sexually and non-sexually. And then when I think about what happened in in my life I decided referring to was that um, myself and my fellow survivor thrivers came to these wise conclusions that our wholesomely triple X entity will need private chefs, housekeepers, estate managers, butlers, nannies, personal assistants, um, Chauffeurs, household managers, gardeners, home health aides, house um, house managers, family assistants, governesses, laundresses, private security, nursemaids, cooks, house persons, companions, maids, uh, valets, uh, domestic couples, household staff. Um, executive protection agents, managers, publicity reps, um, part of our healthy um, entourage. So without further ado, I'm going to stop reading and start speaking from my heart. I think about how I no longer allow just anybody to show me uh, pornographic material, nor neurotic material, because I decided at times in my life, it was depending on upon sexual virtuality for what I needed in terms of sexual reality. What that means is that I grew up in a culture where sometimes men would brag about these are my women, I'm sleeping with them, but those are pictures of named women, unnamed women that they don't know you and 
they don't even know of you, but you act like, oh, in real life, I'm sleeping with them. And they would do the same thing when it came to triple X videos, knowing damn well that those porn perform those female porn performers don't know you. They don't even know of you. They don't know what you're like sexually. So they would do the same thing with just sex scenes in Hollywood. Yeah, I'm with that celebrity. But again, she has no she has no clue that you exist. And she's never been intimate with you in any kind of way. And so, it's like um, how some guys will send each other uh, nude photos of women from the internet. It could be Google, it could be Yahoo, it could be Bing.com. And I noticed that that's a after a while it could become a concerning habit because when you depend on the internet for self-orgasmic release and you're actually not having sex in real life that means that it's like having vicarious sex which is something that I witnessed when I was younger by a lot of dudes and that's not a life I want to live I don't let everybody tell me their sex lives anymore I don't let everybody tell me their sexual desires anymore because some of the people are toxic and some of the people's sex lives are toxic because they're toxic people and Another thing is, is that I do not allow everybody to show me on their phone or laptop or computer or iPad or any technological device they have in terms of the porn they watch, the erotica they listen and see. sexting and that they do or the racy text messages or the steamy emails or um, the you know the sex videos they have of them with somebody else or other people I don't let everybody show me that like it, it happened used to happen a lot with a lot of guys now put I put the, I pumped the brakes on that totally um I've stopped that as a whole, W-H-O-L-E, because it became a misogynistic rite of passage. It became the sexual toxic hypermasculinity. It became a torturous heteronormativity and a tormenting cis-sexism as well. And that's what I decided no more of this. 
So it's, it's a lot like how I don't let any every guy tell me their views on women. Because some guys clearly have sexist views on the ladies. So I don't let that happen anymore. Another thing I don't do anymore is... Um, I don't let every guy tell me how to sexually be, not sexually be, because a lot of dudes will do that. Um, they'll try to be your informal sex coach, and, they, and they're unqualified and disqualified from being sex coaches. So these are the things I grew up with when I was younger, and I decided to end these um, compound trauma patterns, so to speak. Another thing is, is that um, I no longer am under this duress, nor the duration of the duress pertaining to some men were like, Antonio, I could get you laid. You know, which one, which one would you want? Which... You know, I got the chicks for you. I've learned to not let every guy do that to me. Like it used to happen when I was a college man. It didn't happen often, but here and there, like uh, some uh, rarities it did. And that was um, something I decided not to repeat. Pattern-wise, because guys, a lot of guys who say that, deep down, they think of you as this ugly thingamajig. They don't think that you can have sex with women on your own. They don't think that you can attract women by yourself. So I've had to be mindful of that and be aware of that. I've learned that there are some dudes that I have learned to avoid and evade because they may profanely critique a woman's genitalia and her erotic performance, profanely speaking. But the woman may have a totally different sexual version of sexual events about what occurred, sexually speaking. So I've learned those dudes I I have nothing to do with. And um, I noticed that there's a lot of guys, too. Because this happened to me a lot growing up. How a lot of guys in particular... They can be, and I said it before, but let me give you details. A lot of times, with a lot of dudes, because they feel penis envy towards each other, because they feel sexually inadequate about each other and themselves, I have noticed, and I've seen this in some mainstream porn I used to watch. Notice I don't watch it anymore. 
is that a lot of times with guys, they tend to give each other sexual disinformation, sexual misinformation, sexual double think, sexual double speak, um, and sexual mob speak. A lot of these guys suffer from sexual fascism, sexual totalitarianism, sexual authoritarianism, sexual dictatorships, sexual dictatorial regimes, and their own um, chauvinistic bravado version of sexual nationalism is what I call it. And a lot of them have this sexual world domination theory regarding women. And I noticed that they are sexually competitive with each other, do sexual contests. Like they have sex coach competitions with each other, sexologist competitions with each other, sexpertise competitions with each other. They have chick magnet competitions with each other. That's what they call it, chick magnet. And they have stud competitions with each other, S-T-U-D. And you could tell that they have these competitions with each other because how they talk about sex, how they talk about women, to the point where sometimes... When they feel like you're trying to have uh, a masculinity battle with me when it comes to sex and women, this is what they say to each other, basically, in their hearts. Sometimes they give each other sexual verbal abuse and sexual verbal attacks. And other times they give each other verbal abuse regarding inability to pull women or verbal attacks about their inability to have the most women. This is how I grew up. And some of this is in some mainstream porn when you really see it. Not encouraging y'all to see it. But what I'm saying is, is that a lot of times in like some mainstream porn, you'll see it with the cameraman and the male performer. And I've seen this. Often there's a competition who could be naked first, the man or the woman. Usually the man wins. Sometimes the man will get naked because the cameraman told him. Or sometimes he'll do it because the woman told him. But he'll say, you gotta get naked too because I know this is some mainstream porn. A man will, f- will foolishly feel ma- emasculated in quotations if a woman tells him what to do and, oh, and, and she has him obey her. There are some men who don't want to obey women when it comes to anything. Even in sex, there are some men who reject 
women's sexual demands, women's sexual requests, women's sexual commands, women's sexual questions, women's sexual statements. And they'll hear the woman's sexual compliments, but they don't audibly respond. They feel like the way to respond is to keep thrusting so vigorously, aggressively, to the point where it's a form of bodily harm. And sometimes they thrust so hard that they're trying to injure their own penis and brute and um, lacerate their own testicles. And now, the, and to the point where the woman's vagina, the woman's vulva, the woman's clitoris is bodily harmed too. I've seen that in some mainstream porn. And I noticed that um, a lot of times the man will do something sexual and even if the woman keeps telling him, do that sexual thing you did, well, of course they'll say it with vulgarity because this is mainstream porn. He'll eventually end that position of sex or that act of sex. And it's about him dictating, okay, now we're going to do this position or act, even though how come the man got to end the position or the act just as when he started it, whatever the sex act was, he did it. It could be you lick the woman and then you go right back to thrusting. Or you spank the woman, go right back to thrusting. Or you eat the woman out real quick and go right back to thrusting. And she's like, okay, eat me out some more. Or spank me some more. Or lick me some more. The man will thrust extremely harder than normal. And then he'll flip the woman over or boss her around while flip her over boss her around and then flip her over or make her assume the position because some guys don't want don't like when they have to get physical and when they do they feel some guys feel like exasperated because of it so I've noticed that with the woman she falls in line with whatever sexually he says goes but what she wanted didn't happen and I've noticed that a lot of times with the guys they're so into penetrating to the point where they become absolutely mindless where it's like you're trying to prove that how well you can jackhammer but deep down they misogynistically feel like it's infeminate if I, you know, rub her while penetrating or lick her while penetrating or ear out while penetrating or spank her while penetrating or, you know, hold her breast while penetrating because they're so into, like, the penis thing. They don't think to use their hands at all, their fingertips at all, their teeth at all, their lips at all, their mouth at all. And it's like, okay, I understand how pleasurable it is to penetrate, but you have to also be multifaceted with sex while it's happening. 
um, because it's like a lot of guys don't understand full pleasure for the woman and you. But she can't get full pleasure if you just back and forth. And a lot of times with the women in mainstream porn, some of it, it's hard to tell if the screams are because of pleasure, pain, or maybe a mixture of both, which I think is sickening and saddening. And I noticed with the women, what I wish the women would do was, if you really want something sexually done to you, don't go to the next position until it's done to you. Don't go to the next sex act until it's done to you. And if you want a guy to keep doing something, say it loudly if you have to. That And make sure that not only does he hear you, but he does what you sexually want him to do. I wish a lot of porn women would do that. Because sometimes they'll quickly tell a guy, do this to me, do that to me. But make sure that you slow down and actually say how you feel. Say it loud. Well, not too loud, but be audible. And say it clearly. You don't have to say it so fast. You know, you can tell the guy, hey, I said do this. Stop the sex. You could. It could be in the middle of position to act, hey. You're not doing this. And I don't like you're not doing that. Do it now. Right? It's kind of like a lot of times, from what I've seen in major porn, a lot of times a woman will constantly um, be riding the guy. And the guy could just be, you know, every now and then he'll slap her on the behind, right? And at the same time, She'll say, keep doing that. But she's actually confused on, okay, what does keep doing that mean? The penetrating he's doing to you while you're straddling him? Or the erotic spankings he's doing? Or both? See, in a lot of mainstream porn, there's a lot of sexual vagueness, a lot of sexual ambiguity, a lot of sexual unclearness. It's like, keep doing what? You know what I mean? Say it. If you want him to keep, you know, say what you want him to do. And be very clear. If you want him to do one sexual thing, tell him that. If you want him to do more than one sexual thing to you simultaneously, say it clearly, directly, and without any confusion. And also with the women, sometimes they'll do all these things to the guys. A lot of times with the women in mainstream porn, they feel like I have to sexually overpower the man because we're used to the men sexually overpowering us. So they'll verbally and non-verbally, what they'll do is, and I said it before, but let me really, really say it. Sometimes they'll go, okay, let's have a competition with the men on who can be the most sexually domineering, the most sexually bossy, the most sexually inquisitive, and the most, I'll make you do what I want you to do sexually in terms of any active position, competition with the men. I've seen that. It happens in mainstream porn, and a lot of times, they don't give each other enough time to assume the position. Sometimes, all right, I'll eat you out real quick. Okay, I'll blow you real quick. Now, 
did this position, do this act. And it's like, why was it so fast? Why aren't you taking your time with each other? That's a part of the complete orgasms. And how come it's all about the man's orgasm, even if the woman never gets to orgasm? I've always found that to be an issue for me. And then when I have, like, noticed in a lot of mainstream porn, seriously, was that um, many times, um, when the man was told, okay, lick me, he'll do it lazily, or rub me, he does that lazily, or spank me, no strength in his hands at all, just a bump on a log, tap, then he'll go right back to thrusting real hard, it's like, okay, he'll put in hard work to do what he wants, but no hard work to do what she wants. So I'm going to work hard for myself and be totally lazy when it comes to you. This happens in sex and a lot of mainstream porn. A lot of guys' lives, these things happen. And I've also um, really noticed a lot of the mainstream porn is that um, a lot of times the guy tries too hard to be this sexual slick talker you have to do the most dirty talk but it's it's very much repulsive type dirty talk to the point where the woman is clearly shamed for her femininity and womanliness womanhood and the dirty talk makes me want to throw up and gag simultaneously at the same time is what that word means and I've noticed that um, a lot of times with the guys, they'll say things that um, always, always had me at a at a painful pause. Um, like sometimes they'll say like, and I've heard this, like dance on my dick. I've heard them say that, or you know. I pat the ass like a drum set and I've heard them say you gotta just reach out and hug that ass and I'm just like the way they go about it it's a form of treating women as fashion accessories and treating women as their personal reward system for their own warped sense of maleness. And um, I noticed that um, a lot of the guys growing up um just like a mainstream porn, they judge women's behinds like I've heard them say like perfect ass or perfect pussy or perfect tits. That's how they would talk. I'm not saying saying I'm being honest with you about how I was raised and what I saw mainstream porn when I was younger. 
This I didn't have porn literacy back then. I have it now and forevermore. But it always made me unpleasantly stunned. Unpleasantly stunned. Because I was like... I understand we have preferences, but do y'all do? But do y'all have to be? Do you have to belittle women, though? Do you have to disgrace women? Do you have to reproach women? You know. Do you have to discriminate in any kind of way against women? They have to stereotype women. That's how I feel about such things. And then I've noticed, like, um, a lot of times with the sex, sometimes you can tell the men and the women are absent minded, far away in the clouds. Because they're trying so hard to just, yeah, I gotta prove my bodily prowess, my what they call sexual prowess, that you notice they never really compliment a woman's moan, a woman's groan, a woman's grunting, a woman's copulatory vocalizations, a woman's talk from the heart in terms of how she's really feeling. A lot of times the woman has to tell the man tell me how much you like this because all he does is he's overly quiet and all he does is thrust but it's like well why does she always have to tell you say how you feel if you like it then announce it to me right? And sometimes the woman gets frustrated like you talk all this shit with your dudes, your homies, but in the bed or the couch or the sauna or the kitchen, you barely have anything to say. It's like, no, all that vocalizing you were doing with them, all right, you should be even more vocal now that you're with me. And I think it's a way to psych themselves up. It's like cowards. Yeah, it's like a coward. You know, I'm a, you know, if you're trying to fight, I'm a fuck you up, da 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 da. You'll say that when they're not around. But when they are around, you ain't saying that. So, it's similar. It's like, okay, you're talking bullshit with your male homies, but with the woman, you're not even doing anything you was talking shit to the homies about. Which is weird. I'm like, if you're not going to do that with her when the sex happens, don't fucking say it at all. And I noticed that um, with a lot of guys, too, they, they base what they sexually do with women from the warped sense of vantage point of... Well, this is what my homies say. This is, my homies like feet, so I should really like feet on a woman. 
or my homies say, you should like the hips, you should like the legs. So I got to like what my homies like. But when it comes to the sex, you do nothing with the feet, you do nothing with the legs, you do nothing with the hips. You do, every, you do everything else with the other body parts. But it's like, yeah, I like that too. It's like, no, you don't. And then it's like, also it gets weird because it's like, okay, what are your fetishes? Your fetishes don't have to be your homie's fetishes. And it shouldn't be, well, did you do that? Did you do that, man? Did you do the legs, the hips, and the feet? Yeah, man, I was just having, I was going to town on them, on the feet and the hips and the legs. No, you didn't. No, you didn't at all. And you know it. It's like, you know, your fetishes are uniquely yours. Their fetishes should be uniquely theirs. And it shouldn't be, well, I have to have this warped sexual approval in my life by simply being of sexual deceitfulness. And I know it's a lot of women do that too. You know, it, a woman who doesn't really care for oral sex on a man but some of them have been conditioned. I gotta tell. I gotta tell my girl homies, my sister. You know, my my sister, the sisterhood we got. Yeah, man, I I blew him. I I I was, I I, I was blowing him. Like, I was drinking a Slurpee from Seven Eleven. Knowing that's a lie, and it's like even women, you know, they'll talk a lot of shit with each other. Some women. But when it comes to them with a man, they don't do anything they talk to their girlfriends about. And I've always found that to be a form of sexual hypocrisy, sensual hypocrisy, and erotic hypocrisy, because it's like, look, if that's not your thing, it's okay for that not to be your thing, whatever it sexually is. Okay, your partialism doesn't have to be their partialism. Right? Your partialism is wonderfully yours and their partialism is wonderfully theirs. And then I notice with sex too, a lot of times they're so busy trying to uh, disgustingly use pop culture references when it comes to sex and sexual comparisons. It's like, okay, if a person says they like it, why not say, you know, I like it as much as you do. And that's a good thing to say. Because that that sexual equality, that sexual equity, that sexual equality of outcome, that sexual egalitarianism, that sexual equal justice, um, and that sexual equality of opportunity, all wrapped up in one. And... Why not, you know, it's kind of like sometimes a man will yell at a woman, tell me how much you like it. And she'll answer, but sometimes she won't even say, well, you tell me what you like it. Other times they do. And it's a way of competing with, all right, you're going to say how much I like, how much you like it. And yeah, I got you answer me, but I'm going to answer you right back. Sometimes any command the man gives the woman, the woman will give the same commands to the man. And sometimes in the beginning of what I've seen in a lot of mainstream porn is that a guy will, um, 
he'll have the woman stand up and pressure to stand up the cameraman and make these filthy comments about how she looks and the, the, the sexual slang and the and him being bad at verbal poetry regarding a woman and a woman smiling and a man happy that yeah I got her smile I got her cheese smiling but misogyny is the reason why though that's a horrible reason to smile H-O-R-R-I-B-L-E and um Then he'll ask her without really caring, so what you like? And she'll mention some of her sexual likes. Does he do all that she sexually likes? No. He'll do it in the very beginning, and the rest of the time, he won't even do what she likes anymore. And when she's talking, he's he's ogling her, gazing at her, not in a not a nice gaze, but a me like a creepy gaze. Creepy oh creepy creepy staring. Staring is the better word, actually. And he'll just look at her like uh, a uh, a revolting inspection of her flesh, so to speak. And so what occurs is from um, you can tell he's not fully listening because he's staring her out, staring off into space in her direction or away and he'll kind of do it and he'll say yeah she liked this but the way he goes about what she likes he keeps saying it over and over and over to the point where it makes you want to vomit in a toilet or even an outhouse just bleh and he'll do it as a way of a awful yucky um, ego boost for himself. Not a mutual ego boost for him and the woman. And then I notice sometimes a guy will say like, how old were you when you first attracted a man or a man or a, or a dude started checking you out? And he'll say, she'll say like 13, 14 and a guy will make fun of the man Man, I know it's, I, you know, oh my God, uh, this is immoral. I shouldn't be looking at a teenage girl like that. But man, she got that look. Da, da, da. I've seen this in some mainstream porn. It's sick. I don't watch it anymore. This is, I didn't know what I knew now. Back then, trauma really had its, it felt like trauma had its hold on me. Um, So I didn't know. Um, I've never seen any kid porn other than I was forced to see it as a child. Other than that, I never saw it. Um, and I can guarantee I never saw it. Um, never have, never will, for sure. But anyway, let me get to um, what I was saying. So when I was seeing a lot of, um, you know, these kinds of, these kinds of porn... Um, mostly black porn. Sad to say that this happened the most. And sometimes the guy will say, 
oh, I just love this 18-year-old pussy, just saying it over and over. I'm like, this is so gross. This is so nauseating. This is, this makes me feel like I'm in need of cough medicine. This makes me feel like I need to take a flu shot because I'm starting to feel sick. That's how it, 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 it's just nasty, it's just nasty, trifling even. And then I've noticed that like, the woman never really asked the guy, so how old were you when you, sometimes the woman will say, oh, I was 15, 16 or 17 when I first lost mine. My parents knew her parents didn't know be the way. I got that dick, she got that dick, she from, she got that Detroit dick, you know, or based upon where she from, yeah, she got the finest Atlanta pussy, y'all, da 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 ATL, ass like a truck, da 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 that type of bullshit, and, um, I noticed that, um, A lot of what I remember seeing um, was cries for help. A lot of those men were really crying for help. Sexual, not sexual. They were crying for help, the women too. And sometimes the women would do everything to the man that was done to them. Like, Sometimes they'll ask the man, how old were you when you, how were you when you, and based on his answer, she'll make misandrous comments too. Like, you know, yeah, by the time you was 12, you was already huge dick, huh? D-I-C-K-E-D. Or, wow, by the time you was 11, he was with somebody 20, and they'll celebrate that, even though that's technically rape. The law says that's rape. And a lot of guys will say, I was 10, she was 18. That's rape. But they think that's consensual. That's how traumatized these guys are. That sexual traumatization, sexual traumatization, sexual victimization, sexual re-victimization, that's what actually happened to them. And the women will go, yeah, but, you know, I was um, 15 fucking this 31-year-old. Or I was um, 14 fucking this 36-year-old. Sometimes in mainstream porn, they'll say that. Sometimes in real life, they'll they say these things. And you have men who go, man, I was 13... I destroyed this 40-year-old, or I was 15, I destroyed this 42-year-old. It's sick. This glorifying rape culture pisses me the fuck off. And and they do it like a female writes a passage, a male writes a passage. Like, ew, this is both misogyny and misandry. And when I think about um, what I saw in a lot of mainstream uh, porn, it just, it just really made it clear to me that they you know 
in a lot of mainstream porn, they do not pay attention to each other's sexual facial expressions, sexual comments, sexual compliments, sexual statements, sexual questions, sexual suggestions, sexual recommendations, sexual gestures, sexual word choices, sexual tone of voice. And sexual body language and sexual nonverbal communication, they are sexually desensitized to each other. They are sexually insensitive to one another. And they suffer from sexual self desensitization and sexual self insensitivity. That's what I noticed too. Another thing I noticed was, like, um, when I was um, in that world, um, not, well, not in that world, but when I was exposed to mainstream porn for the first time as a five-year-old boy, and years after that, um, what I could tell was, now I'm using some of my Webster's, is that a lot of times they seem sexually absent-minded, sexually preoccupied in a bad way, sexually dreaming in a bad way, sexually listless in a bad way, sexually lost in a bad way, sexually absent in a bad way, sexually thoughtless, sexually oblivious, sexually inattentive, sexually daydreaming in a bad way, sexually unconscious in a bad way, sexually unaware, sexually withdrawn, sexually removed, sexually far away, sexually distracted, sexually remote, sexually forgetful, sexually in the clouds. They weren't sexually observant. They weren't sexually attentive. They weren't sexually alert. It's like they were sexually away, sexually missing, sexually elsewhere, sexually vanished, sexually gone, sexually gone out, sexually not at home, sexually not present, sexually out, sexually abroad, sexually astray, sexually nowhere to be found, sexually on vacation, sexually absent without leave, sexually AWOL. They were um, sexually in my, like, sexually just missing in action, sexually just playing hooky, Um, just sexually wanting, sexually lacking. Um, They, sexually, they were the state of being elsewhere. It was like a sexual non-appearance, a sexual non-attendance. And I've seen that a lot in terms of the sexual autopilot and the sexual, sexually being zombified. It was like sexual resident evil. And then when it came to um, the sex, it's like... um, A lot of the men and women were conditioned to, they were conditioned to sexually abolish each other, sexually suppress each other, sexually um, repress each other, sexually eradicate each other, sexually terminate each other, sexually exterminate each other, sexually obliterate each other, sexually annul each other, sexually remove each other, sexually revoke each other, sexually end each other, sexually finish each other sexually nullify each other, sexually set aside each other, sexually annihilate each other, sexually repel each other, sexually subvert each other, sexually reverse each other, sexually rescind each other, sexually prohibit each other, sexually extinguish each other, 
sexually cancel each other, sexually erase each other, sexually root out each other, sexually pull up each other, sexually uproot each other, sexually uh, demolish each other, sexually invalidate each other, sexually overturn each other, sexually overthrow each other, sexually declare each other null and void, sexually do away with each other, sexually stamp out each other, sexually undo each other, sexually throw out each other, sexually put an end to each other, sexually inhibit each other, sexually dispense with each other, sexually cut out each other, sexually raise each other, R-A-Z-E, sexually squelch each other, sexually ravage each other, sexually destroy each other. And this happens quite often in many mainstream porn circles. And, um... I've also noticed that you know, I can tell you this truth. To me, that is uh, sexual fatalism, sexual nihilism, sexual cynicism, uh, sexual pessimism, sexual defeatism, sexual stoicism, sexual negativism, sexual um, predestinate, uh, sexual necessitarianism, sexual pre. It's, uh, make sure I'm saying the word right. It's, uh, sexual predeterminism, sexual predestinarianism. Um, it's also, um, You know, it's also sexual tribalism. Um, It's also uh, sexual elitism, sexual clanism, sexual cronyism, sexual nepotism. Sexual separatism, sexual escapism. So when I think about how it's sad that they try to prove to each other a lot of mainstream porn, the men and women, how able-bodied they are, how fit, how powerful, how sturdy and strong they are. Um, I always hated it. Um, Which is why often 
the sex in a lot of mainstream porn is sexually crazy, sexually stupid, sexually lazy, sexually abnormal, sexually creepy, sexually eerie, sexually scary, sexually confusing, um, sexually weird, um, sexually off-putting, sexually of sexual discombobulation, um, there's no sexual rhythm, no sexual flow, no sexual flow, no sexual cadence, um, no sexual melody to the sex either, and a lot of times, a lot of the sex in a lot of mainstream porn, um, produces nausea, produces migraines in people because like, oh my God, this is, this is garbage. This is trash, right? And I'll tell you this. A lot of the sex in a lot of mainstream porn, the sex is filled with nonverbal objectification, nonverbal dehumanization, nonverbal sexual objectification, nonverbal self-objectification, nonverbal reification, nonverbal commodification. And sometimes, and a lot of times, the sex in a lot of mainstream porn has verbal objectification, verbal dehumanization, verbal sexual objectification, verbal self-objectification, and verbal reification. Which also means that a lot of the sex in a lot of mainstream porn is um, verb, verbal instrumenta- verbal instrumentality, verbal denial of autonomy, verbal inertness, verbal fungibility, verbal viability, verbal ownership, from a slavery standpoint, verbal denial of subjectivity, verbal reduction of body, verbal reduction of parents, and verbal silencing, which means that the sex in a lot of mainstream porn means nonverbal instrumentality, nonverbal denial of autonomy, nonverbal inertness, nonverbal fungibility, nonverbal viability, nonverbal ownership from a slavery standpoint, nonverbal denial of subjectivity. Nonverbal reduction of body, nonverbal reduction to appearance, and nonverbal silencing. So to make it more palatable, in a lot of mainstream porn, there's nonverbal sexual dehumanization. Um, 
nonverbal sexual self-objectification, nonverbal sexualification. Which also means that there is verbal sexual objectification, verbal sexual self-objectification, verbal sexualification, and verbal sexual dehumanization. There's verbal sexual commodification on verbal sexual commodification too, which means that there is verbal sexual instrumentality, verbal sexual denial of autonomy, verbal sexual inertness, verbal sexual fungibility, verbal sexual violability, verbal sexual ownership from a slavery standpoint, Verbal sexual denial of subjectivity, verbal verbal sexual reduction of body, verbal sexual reduction of appearance, and verbal sexual silencing. And lastly, there is nonverbal sexual instrumentality, nonverbal sexual denial of autonomy, nonverbal sexual inertness, nonverbal sexual fungibility, nonverbal sexual viability, nonverbal sexual ownership from a slavery standpoint, nonverbal sexual denial of subjectivity, nonverbal sexual reduction of body, nonverbal sexual reduction to appearance, and nonverbal sexual silencing. And basically, a lot of times, in a lot of mainstream porn, there's verbal disposability and nonverbal disposability. In other words, there's verbal sexual disposability and nonverbal sexual disposability. Those are the things that I've seen a lot of mainstream porn too. And there's a lot of verbal sexual indifference and nonverbal sexual indifference, meaning they reject each other's sexual likes and sexual dislikes verbally and nonverbally. They reject each other's sexual needs and sexual wants verbally and nonverbally too. It's a form of sexual egomania sexual haughtiness, sexual arrogance, sexual hot-headedness, sexual stubbornness, sexual selfishness, um, being sexually self-absorbed, being sexually self-centered. Um, it's like the sexual one-track mind, the sexual... Sexual closed-mindedness, sexual narrow-mindedness, it's sexual discrimination, sexual prejudice, sexual bigotry. It's sexual small-mindedness too. It's sexual weak-mindedness as well.
And I've also learned that it's a form of sexual hard-heartedness, sexual heartlessness. And it's in a in its body centered sex one hundred percent which infuriates me highly. It's being sexually cold blooded and it's being sexually cold hearted. It is sexual exclusivity, sexual inhospitality. And no one has a healthy sexual sense of belonging. I'm referring to the men and women in the heteronormative mainstream porn industry in certain circles, for sure. So I have learned that it is okay to ask for help when it comes to sex from the partner and or partners you are having the sex with. You don't have to play the sexual guessing game. And you don't have to play the sexual version of the game of telephone with each other. And I remember, this is my last talk about mainstream porn, and I'll tell you my rosy parts of what sex is like for moving forward. A lot of times with the sex and a lot of mainstream porn, when you have guys who are sexually bossing each other around. And I don't say that comedically. I say that seriously and tenderly. Sometimes it would be near sexual brawls. B-R-A-W-L-S on set. Other times they actually sexually fight each other. Because it's like, you know, they would sexually boss each other around when it came to each other and the women and they're trying to compete on who could be the most sexually um, overbearing and who could be the most who could be the biggest sexual boss with the women and each other and they would have these sexual verbal spats and sexual like physical spats it's crazy and they would who can who can compete and who can make each other do what we sexually want to do when it comes to the men with each other and the men with each other regarding the women. And you would have all these like sexual heated exchanges, verbally not verbally, with each other. And. Sometimes the heat exchanges be between the women and the men, physically and verbally, because the woman got tired of the man, you know, being a sexual control freak, and she and he feels like, well, she's trying to be a sexual control freak over me. So you have all these sexual control freaks on set. That's happened on some mainstream porn sets. Now, now that I've concluded that part. Let's focus more on what will sex be like for me moving forward. Let's answer the question. Uh, It'll be a lengthy answer I'll give. So sex will be like for me moving forward is that um, I want to say that 
I'm not antagonistic towards people who value um, traditional sexuality and religious sexuality and conservative sexuality. Um, I have no bones to pick with them um, because the majority of them are not out here trying to um, make anybody carbon copies of them. Most of them do have soft hearts. But you do got those few that try to um, sexualize Christian nationalism. Those are that's happening. Um, you're probably wondering, you know, how will sex like me moving forward for real? I'll really get to the question. I just have to make that public service announcement. For me, I am very much con- I, I, for me, I'm very much concerned with before I have sex with a person and or people. Um, I have to talk with them, you know, um, about what does sex with me mean for them and what does sex with them mean for me? And we have to check our motives, okay? Is it because of the past compound trauma? It's not because of the rape trauma syndrome. Okay, this is actually because we have fleshly compatibility, fleshly chemistry. And that um, we actually... um, have inner compatibility and inner chemistry. And it's more of does the sex we have reflect the respect of our schedules and the sexual reasonable accommodations of our uh, our busy scheduling. You know, so we'll talk about that. And um Also, for me, I feel like, you know, the dopamine neurotransmitters in the brain, the feel-good chemicals in the brain, it's like, okay, um, whoever I end up with sexually, they have to give me and I give them, like, feel good, you know, all all the feeling good is actually truly good for us. It's not an abuse of the dopamine like it was in the past. It's not abuse of the neurotransmitters like it was in the past. It's not abuse of the, um, the feel good chemicals in the brain like it used to be because, um, 
I decided that uh, when it comes to sex, um, I value the brain. In the future, there'll be no more abuse of the most specialized responsible for endocrine regulation. Um, There will be no more abuse of the most specialized responsible for sensory perception. In the future, there'll be no more abuse of the most specialized responsible for motor control. And in the future, there'll be no more abuse of the most specialized responsible for the development of intelligence. There'll be no more abuse of the most energy-consuming organ of the body. And I'm referring to sexually. These are the things I think about when it comes to sex. And um, you know, When it comes to sex, there'll be no more abuse of the forebrain. In the anatomy of the brain of vertebrates, the forebrain or prosencephalon is the rostral, forwardmost portion of the brain. The forebrain, prosencephalon. The midbrain, mesencephalon. And hindbrain, rhombencephalon, are the three primary brain vesicles during the early development of the nervous system. The forebrain controls early... The forebrain controls body temperature, reproductive functions, eating, sleep, and a display of emotions. So the forebrain does matter when it comes to sex. So when it comes to sex, there'll be no more abuse of the midbrain. The midbrain, or mesencephalon, is the rostral most portion of the brainstem connecting the diencephalon and cerebrum with the pons. It consists of the cerebral pondicles, tegmentum, and tectum. It's functionally associated with vision, hearing, motor control, sleep and wakefulness, arousal, alertness, and temperature regulation. The name comes from the Greek mesos, middle, and enkephalos, brain. So... When it comes to sex, for me, there'll be no more abuse of the hindbrain. The hindbrain, rhombencephalon, or lower brain, is a developmental categorization of portions of the central nervous system in vertebrates. It includes the medulla, pons, and cerebellum. Together, they support vital bodily processes. to sex there'll be no more abuses 
of the senses. Like, um, there'll be no more, when it comes to sex, there'll be no more abuses of the sensory organs. So, whoever I'm with has to, when it comes to sex, they have to honor my auditory system, sense of hearing, and I honor theirs. They have to honor my somatosensory system, sense of touch, and I honor theirs. They have to honor my olfactory system, sense of smell, and I honor theirs. They have to honor my gustatory system, sense of taste, and I honor theirs. So those systems in turn, we have to contribute well to each other's vision, hearing, touch, smell, and the ability to taste. We have to honor each other's vestibular system, sense of balance. We have to honor each other's inner ear. We have to honor each other's sensory organs, eyes, ears, skin, nose, and mouth. We have to honor each other's proprioception, body position. We have to honor each other's nociception, pain. We have to honor each other's internal chemoreception and osmoreception based sensory systems leading to various perceptions. We have to be sensitive to each other's hunger, thirst, suffocation, and nausea, and different involuntary behaviors such as vomiting. Um, We have to honor each other's many internal sensory perceptual systems which exist in humans. Um, We have to honor each other's organs that sense and transduce stimuli. Yes, these are important when it comes to sex. When it comes to sex, we have to be mindful of electrical fields, uh, magnetic fields, um, air moisture, polarized light, and alternative systems such as echolocation, I think we have to be mindful of each other's sensory modalities. For example, the sub, you know, while the general sensation perception of taste can be separated into submodalities that they and I will have, which includes being sensitive to each other's sweet, salty, sour, bitter, spicy, and um. And um, um, amami. We have to be sensitive to each other's different chemicals binding to sensory neurons. We have when it comes. These are things when it comes to sex. People have to think about. We have to be sensitive to each other's light pressure, each other's deep pressure, each other's vibrations, each other's itches, each other's pains, each other's joys, each other's temperatures, each other's hair movements. And sensory, mo- sexual sensory modality refers to, to the sexual way that sexual information is encoded, which is sexually similar to the idea of sexual transduction. So 
these are things that um, sexually are very important. Um, so we so we have to be mindful of each other's sexual psychophysics, each other's sexual neurobiology, each other's sexual cognitive psychology, and each other's sexual cognitive science too. And we have to be mindful of each other's sexual multimodality, which sexually integrates different sexual senses into one unified sexual perceptual experience. For sexual example, sexual information from one sexual sense has the sexual potential to, to sexually influence how sexual information from another is sexually perceived. And we have to be mindful of each other's sexual spatial orientation and each other's sexual vestibular system. Um, we have sexual internal interoception sensory systems, and we have sexual external exterioception sensory systems to sex. This is all important now. And um, we have to be mindful of each other's sexual sensory receptors and this is me putting like my spin to it. Sexual sensory receptors are the sexual cells or sexual structures that detect sexual sensations. Sexual stimuli in the sexual environment activate sexually specialized receptor cells in the sexual peripheral nervous system. I'm making this applicable to sex. That's why I'm talking like this. During sexual transduction, sexual physical stimuli is sexually converted into sexual action potential by sexual receptors and sexually transmitted towards the sexual central nervous system for sexual processing. Different types of sexual stimuli are sexually sensed by different sexual types of sexual receptive cells. Sexual receptive cells can be sexually classified into sexual types on the basis of three sexual different criteria, sexual cell type, sexual position, and sexual function. Sexual receptors can be sexually classified sexually structurally on the sexual basis of of sexual cell type and their sexual position and sexual relation to sexual stimuli they sexually sense. Sexual Sexual receptors can sexually further be sexually classified sexually functionally on the sexual basis of the sexual transduction of sexual stimuli or how the sexual mechanical stimulus, sexual light or sexual chemical change the sexual cell membrane potential. Mm-hmm. So we have to think about sexual deferential threshold, sexual absolute threshold, sexual thresholds. We have to think about sexual functional receptor types like sexual mechanoreceptors, sexual photoreceptors, sexual chemoreceptors, sexual osmoreceptors, sexual thermoreceptors, sexual electroreceptors and sexual nociceptors and sexual electromagnet radiation. When it comes to sex, we have to be mindful of the responding to a chemical salute concentration of bodily fluids 
We have to be mindful of interpreting the presence of tissue damage when it comes to sex. We have to be mindful when it comes to sex of normal body temperature, heat temperatures, and cold temperatures. When it comes to sex, we have to be mindful of sexual macromolecules. Uh, sexual membrane potential changes. We have to be mindful of sexual cell types. So apply free nerve ending to sex. Apply dendrites to sex. Apply neurons to sex. Apply connective tissues to sex. Apply pain and temperature receptors to sex. Apply dermis of the skin to sex. Apply lamellated corpuscles to sex. You know, the nerve endings that respond to pressure and touch. Apply that to sex. Apply increases in iron flow, even blood flow to sex. Sexual actual potential, sexual greater potential, sexual sensory neurons. These are things we have to consider. We have to consider um, the sexual nervous system, sexual sensory nerves, the sexual peripheral nervous system, the nervous tissue, apply that to sex, the endocrine system, apply that to sex. The sexual motor nerves, the sexual spinal nerves, sexual mixed nerves, sexual sensory nerves, sexual efferent nerves. We have to apply all these things to sex too. The sexual neural pathways, the sexual neural circuits, the sexual larger networks, the sexual neurovascular units, the sexual electrical synapses, the sexual neurotransmitters, the sexual chemical synapses. You, may, you know, a sexual cell that, that sexually receives a sexually synaptic signal from a sexual neuron may be sexually excited, sexually inhibited, sexually uninhibited, or otherwise sexually modulated. We have to think about the sexual glial cells, or simply sexual glia, the sexual axons, the sexual thin fibers. Um, the sexual cranial nerves, sexual gastrointestinal system, the sexual sympathetic and the sexual parasympathetic nervous systems, the sexual automatic nervous systems, the sexual transmitting signals. The sexual brain, the sexual spinal cord. These are important. It's the sexual pathology. sexual stem cells, the sexual hormones, (laughs) the sexual messenger systems, sexual second messenger systems, wow, sexual gene transcription,
sexual neurotransmitter chemicals. Now let's get to the like pleasure systems of the brain. <laughs> we we got to talk about it. So when I think about the sexual, you know, the sexual eroticism, sexual sensuality of the brain. This is exactly what I think. I'm going to use an article, but make it all about sex. Um, no, nah, I don't have to. Okay, you know what? I will. But I'm going to make it all about sex. So. The sexual neuropathways of pleasure. The sexual experience of sexual pleasure is governed by a specific sexual part of our brain called the sexual reward system. This sexual intricate network of sexual neurons is sexually primarily comprised of the ventral tegmental area VTA, which helpful with sex, the sexual nucleus acubens, and the sexual prefrontal cortex, sexually, sexually interconnected by a sexual neurotransmitter known as sexual dopamine. <sighs> Imagine the thrill of listening to your lover in the midst of climax. The satisfaction of completing a sexually difficult task like a new position you've never tried before or the joy of sharing a heartfelt laugh with a lover because y'all accidentally bump your heads on the headboard. These sexual experiences activate the sexual VTA, which sexually responds by releasing sexual dopamine. This sexual dopamine then sexually travels to the sexual nucleus acubens in the sexual prefrontal cortex, generating sexual feelings of sexual pleasure and sexual satisfaction. Interestingly, it's not just sexual pleasure that activates the sexual system. Sexual pain or the sexual anticipation of it can trigger a similar sexual response. This sexual duality may seem sexually counterintuitive, but it sexually emphasizes the sexual complexity of the sexual human brain and the multifaceted sexual nature of our sexual experiences. Sexual arousal or sexual activation of the sexual sympathetic nervous system sexually primes us to sexually respond more sexually intensely to sexual stimuli by sexually stimulating the release of sexual neurotransmitters like sexual dopamine and sexual norepinephrine. I am sexually demonstrating that Increased sexual arousal amplifies sexual reactions to sexually rewarding stimuli, high, heightening sexual pleasure. However, it also sexually amplifies sexual responses to sexually negative or sexually threatening stimuli, increasing sexual pain and sexual discomfort. Sexual arousal serves as a sensitizing sexual mechanism 
that sexually readies the sexual body and sexual brain to sexually react more sexually strongly to any incoming sexual stimuli, both sexually pleasurable and sexually adversive. Conversely, when sexual arousal is sexually suppressed, as occurs with sexual anesthesia or sexual damage to sexual arousal circuits, the body's sexual, sim- the body's sexual sensitivity to sexual stimuli is sexually numbed. And I'll say this: the act, the sec, that sexual activation of sexual inhibitory neurons, and in the sexual central amygdala induces a sexually dissociated state where um, sexual beings become sexually unresponsive to normally sexual painful or sexually pleasurable triggers. So sexually suppressing arousal sexually reduces the sexual sympathetic nervous systems sexually excited excitatory norepinephrine signaling. This leads to sexually flattened emotional reactions and sexual pleasure responses, indicating sexual arousal is sexually necessary for fully sexually experiencing sexually sensory input as sexually positive or sexually negative. Just as increasing sexual arousal heightens sexual reactions to sexual stimuli, tapping down sexual arousal can make both sexual sexual pleasure and sexual pain more muted. And then it's like, um, so here's the play. Sexually engaging in sexually playful activities can... Sexually stimulate the release of sexual dopamine, enhancing our sexual experience of sexual pleasure. Whether it's playing a musical instrument about erotic songs or making erotic paintings or doing erotic dancing, when we lose ourselves in sexual play we we sexually open ourselves up to the sexual joy and sexual pleasure that sexual life has to sexually offer and then here we go so we're going to talk about the five p's sexual pause sexual play sexual passion sexual purpose and sexual pleasure and sexually understanding how sexual pleasure functions in our sexual brains can sexually fundamentally sexually enrich our lives. Um, sexual pause. To, to sexually truly experience sexual pleasure, we need to sexually slow down, to sexually pause. It's in the sexually quiet still moments that we can fully sexually appreciate and savor sexual pleasure when we sexually rush from one sexual task to sexual another. We often sexually miss the small sexual pleasures that can sexually bring immense sexual joy. Take a sexual moment, sexually pause, and sexually allow yourself to truly sexually experience the sexual life around you. Sexual passion. When we engage, when we sexually engage in sexual activities that we are sexually passionate about, we not only sexually experience 
sexual pleasure, but also sexually cultivate a deeper sexual sense of sexual purpose. This can have a sexually profound effect on our overall sexual well-being and sexual satisfaction in life. Sexual purpose. Living a sexual life aligned with our sexual purpose is a powerful sexual source of deep sexually sustained pleasure. When we, when we sexually engage in sexually meaningful activities that sexually resonate with our sexual core values, the sexual dopamine-induced pleasure we sexually experience is sexually profound and sexually lasting. Um, so here we go. Ple- sexual pleasure begets sexual pleasure. The more you sexually allow yourself to sexually feel and sexually experience pleasure, the more you will sexually enjoy, sexually prioritize, and sexually reap the sexual enormous benefits of it. The sexual takeaway. Understanding your sexual brain, sexual pleasure, circuitry, sexually allows you to sexually intentionally cultivate more daily sexual joy and sexual satisfaction. Take sexual time to sexually engage the sexual reward system and sexually consciously Incorporate sexual strategies to sexually enhance your sexual pleasure. Increasing your sexual pleasure will sexually spark and fire the other sexual elements of the five sexual P, five sex P's, sexual pause, sexual play, sexual passion, and sexual purpose, sexually paving the way to living, to sexually living your one sexual precious life as only you can sexually live it. So, I am going to keep going. Um, <laughs> cultivating sexual pleasure. How can we cultivate this sexual neural alchemy, this sexual capacity for experience sexual pleasure? Here are a few sexually science-backed strategies. One, be fully in your body and their bodies and present in the moments with them and yourself. So all lovers involved have to settle into their own individual and collective bodies and engage your own individual and collective senses. See, hear, touch, taste, and smell the sexual wor- world around you. Sexually see sexually hear, sexually touch, sexually taste, and sexually smell the sexual world around you. This active sexual engagement will will sexually, absolutely sexually enhance your sexual capacity to sexually experience sexual pleasure. Right? So, number two, engage in sexual, physical activity and sexual exercise which releases sexual endorphins and other sexual feel-good chemicals in the sexual brain. So if, let's say, for 20, 30 minutes of reciting erotic poetry while doing sexual brisk walking on most days of the week, that's sexual moderate exercise. This amount of sexual activity releases sexual feel-good endorphins and sexual neurotransmitters that sexually uplift sexual mood. Number three, 
Spend more time sexually speaking outdoors and connect with sexual nature, which can lower sexual stress and sexually boost your sexual mood. Regular sexual nature time in the wherever your nature is, you don't have to worry about anybody ruining sexually how you are, you know, with you and your lover, whatever y'all do in nature, as long as it's within law and reason, I say, Regular sexual nature time provides sexual, cognitive, sexual, emotional, sexual health benefits that can sexually enhance sexual quality of life and sexual feelings of sexual pleasure. So for some of y'all, if y'all are so if y'all are like nudists and y'all are in a safe nature environment where the sex laws are on your side and there's no fear of prosecution and there's no fear of lawsuits and the children are kept away at bay and it's just y'all adults i dare say in safe nature environments of eroticism daily spend at least 20 minutes outside in sexual nature each sexual day that means the studies research says 20 minutes outside can lower your sexual stress hormones and your sexual blood pressure just and then weekly aim for two to three hours immersed in sexual nature each week for sexual enhanced mood sexual focus and sexual health benefits so sexual research means like i like two sexual hours per weekly to increase sexual happiness and sexual life satisfaction And then monthly strive for a full sexual day or sexual overnight in sexual nature once a sexual month. Multi-day sexual nature retreats are found to provide deeper sexual restoration sexually, psychologically, and sexually physiologically compared to shorter sexual exposures. And then four, sexually connect with others and or another meaning a lover and or lovers. So sexual social connections can play a significant sexual role in our sexual ability to sexually experience sexual pleasure, share a sexual laugh, a sexual story, or a sensual erotic meal with someone that shared sexual joy can sexually amplify your own sexual experience of sexual pleasure. Fostering close sexual relationships and sexual social connections also sexually satisfies our sexual need for sexual belonging. Number five, sexually cultivate and sexually pursue your sexual passions. Dedicate sexual time to what you sexually love and to to whom you sexually lust. In the name of age of consent laws being honored, this can sexually boost your sexual mood, reduce sexual stress, and sexually improve your overall sexual sense of sexual well-being. Sexually discover and sexually pursue new sexual hobbies, sexual interests, or sexual skills to sexually experience. The sexual pleasure of sexual learning, sexual unlearning, sexual relearning, sexual thinking, sexual unthinking, sexual rethinking, and don't forget the sexual relearning, 
and <laughs> sexually experiencing new sexual things, new sexual situations, new sexual people, new sexual events, new sexual environments, and new sexual habits. And number six, express sexual gratitude on a sexual regular basis and sexually savor the good sexual things, both sexually big, pun intended, and sexually small, pun intended on that too. Um, number seven, sexually prioritize the four sexual pillars of sexual well-being, regular sexual exercise, a healthy sexual diet, sufficient sexual sleep, and sexually healthy in-person social interactions can sexually significantly influence their sexual capacity for sexual pleasure. In fact, sexually speaking, fall, sexually falling down on any of these sexual pillars will sexually severely sexually inhibit your sexual capacity to experience sexual pleasure. Getting sexually adequate sleep and sexual rest allows sexual brain to properly regulate sexual emotions and sexually process pleasure. And lastly, number eight, be sexually aware of sexual emotional numbing or sexual flattening. I say that sexually oversuppressing sexual arousal can blunt sexual reaction to sexually pleasurable or sexually painful stimuli, as I've said before. Sexually notice if you sexually feel sexually dissociated from sexual sensations or sexually unable to experience sexual joy or sexual sadness fully. Sexually gently bringing more sexual awareness to your body and their bodies and your sexual emotions and their sexual emotions can sexually help recalibrate your sexual arousal systems and theirs. The sexual keys balancing healthy sexual arousal with sexual relaxation. Sexually consciously make sexual time for sexually pleasurable activities, meaningful sexual connections and sexual self-care and sexual others' care. This will sexually keep your sexual brain, sexual reward system sexually tuned up and sexually ready to sexually respond. And sexually experiment within law and reason too. Savor the aroma of each other. Imagine yourselves as freshly brewed from one another. Imagine yourselves as instrumental jazz playing in the background of each other's lives. Imagine the wave of sexual pleasure washing over you. That sexual feeling, that sexual warmth, that sexual contentment is a sexually powerful, sexually essential part of our sexual human existence. How can we get more of each other, sexually speaking, and how does sexual pleasure manifest sexually in the sexual brain? Well, make it make it your sexual mission to have sexual pleasure elevating your daily sexual experiences, making sexual life both sexually worth living and sexually deeply fulfilling. Those are the right ways. In all these ways, I'm, these, this is how my sex life is going to be moving forward. 
Um, so when I think about my own life, I um, what I'm happy about is the true freedom that I have to honor the relationship between sex and the brain. I feel that that is so important for me because um, I recognize what trauma did to my brain, sexually speaking, and now I'm giving myself new and better programming, sexually, erotically, sensually, romantically, interpersonally, um, emotionally, psychologically speaking, intellectually speaking, too. Uh, I'm so very much proud of myself. So, I, um, you know, when I look at, um, when I look at my life, I often think about how proud I am of recognizing that I don't feel ashamed of myself if I don't always ejaculate every time I masturbate. Sometimes just the feeling of enjoying my own skin-to-skin contact like I would do with other adults, it doesn't always have to produce cum nor semen. <laughs> and what I've learned to do is um, have an understanding that um, I now live a life of healthy sexual power, healthy sexual praise, healthy sexual popularity. Um, Healthy sexual leisure time healthy sexual treasured habits, healthy sexual earthly rewards, and healthy sexual security. I'm no longer a sexual I'm no longer a sexual outcast 
I'm no longer sexually lonely. I'm no longer sexually poor. I'm no longer sexually hurting. I'm no longer engaging in sexual popularity contests. My living a life of sexual practical help is exactly why I have sexual outward respectability. My being of sexual encouragement is exactly why I can embrace sexual constructive criticism. Um... My sexually helping people is exactly why I live a life of sexual wholesomeness. I'm no longer constantly sexually mourning like I used to. I'm no longer in sexually broken relationships. I am sexually released from sexual stronghold habits. And I've given myself sexual forgiveness and sexual healing and sexual emotional scars after the rape when it came to the... Not knowing how to sexually compartmentalize and sexually departmentize. Yes, I created that word because I'm brilliant. I no longer believe that I'm erotically immoral. And I no longer believe that I am sensually immoral either. So what are other things about me that I want to mention to you all? Well, what I say is um, There are times to sexually ask. There are times to make sexual requests. There are times to make sexual queries. There are times for sexual questions. There are times to sexually interrogate, respectfully speaking. There are times to sexually examine. 
There's time to sexually cross-examine, respectfully speaking. There are times to make sexual demands. There are times to raise the sexual wise points. There's times to sexually inquire. There's times to sexually frame uh, sexual spiritual truths. There are times to sexually order. There are times to sexually command. There are times to sexually requisition. There are times to sexually put to the test in all the right ways. There are times to sexually bid. There are times to sexually charge. There are times to sexually petition. There are times to sexually call upon. There are times to sexually invite. There are times to sexually urge you. There are times to make healthy sexual challenges. There are times to healthily sexually pry. There are times to healthily sexually investigate. There are times to sexually quiz. There are times to sexually grill. There are times to sexually needle. There are times to sexually sound out. There are times sexually pump, pun intended. There are times sexually put through the third degree. There are times to sexually answer. There are times to sexually refute. There are times to sexually rejoin. These are all healthy moments of sex, too. Um, and so another thing I, I've, I will now say as I close this episode in eight more minutes is that what I have learned to do for myself is that um, is that I've also learned when it comes to like porn companies and erotica companies I know with my adult entity you know like we will definitely value um, thorough um, STD, STI tests for sure. And um, we will value bodily integrity. Bodily integrity is the inviolability of the physical body and emphasizes the importance of personal autonomy, self-ownership, and self-determination of human beings over their own bodies. In the field of human rights, violation of the bodily integrity of another is regarded as an unethical infringement, intrusive, and criminal. And I feel that that's important. Um, Bodily autonomy is so important to me. And also, autonomy is important to me. This is the last reading I'll do. In developmental psychology, moral, political, and biothetical philosophy, autonomy is the capacity to make an informed, uncoerced decision. Autonomous organizations and institutions are independent or self-governing. Autonomy can also be defined from a human resources perspective where it donates relatively high level of discretion granted to an employee in their work. In such cases, autonomy is known to generally increase job satisfaction. Self-actualized individuals are thought to operate autonomously of external expectations. In a medical context, respect for a patient's personal autonomy is considered one of many fundamental ethical principles in medicine. So we're going to honor these concepts within our own um, abuse survivor-friendly erotica slash porn, all these concepts. And what I mean by a thorough SDSTI test is that the testing will be 
damn near 100% accurate. It, it'll be 100% accurate. Majority of the time, you know, no technology is perfect. But we're not going to make a habit of giving false positives, nor false negatives, which are very common, rife and rampant in many mainstream porn entities. Um, I feel like for me, I feel like for me, overall, um, many people would, um, say to me, Antonio, would you ever, um, like, would you, do you think you'll be so great in your erotica career that many mainstream porn and other types of porn companies want to deal with you and other erotica companies want to deal with you? Yes. I wouldn't be surprised if some of the triple X stars who are retired or semi-retired or current, whether mainstream porn or ex-porfinance porn or other porn companies would be like, hey, I want to have an on-camera professional sex relationship with you. And some of them may go, I want to have an off-camera um, sexual relationship with you. Some will do both. Some will choose one or the other. I think I'll be that excellent. And, um, you know, I, um, I feel like as I close out, Regarding how I feel about who I'm with, um, I think that we give each other that sense of sexual sanity as well as erotic safety. That's what's so needed in key. Because um, when we don't have that sense of those things, then it causes sexual being set, feel like you're being sexually de- debilitated. Um, another thing I want to say is that in closing, um, Antonio, will you use birth control every time you're on camera, off camera? Absolutely. And Antonio, do you think this will interfere with your calling? No. It's a part of my calling. It won't ruin anything I have because I'm not coming from 
a place of sexual shallowness. There's no sexual superficiality overtaking anyone. And there's no sexual emptiness. There's no sexual fruitlessness. You know what I mean? Um, Sexual nurturance and sexual nourishment is what's in place. So, as I close, I just want to say that um, I'm so sexually humble and sexually grateful that I get to choose sexual modesty instead of the sexual immodesty of back then. But more importantly, I'm so glad that you now fully understand the relationship between blackness, sexuality, the relationship between autism and sexuality, the relationship between abuse surviving and sexuality, the relationship between LGBTQ plus and sexuality. And uh, lastly, the relationship between dysfunctional family, broken families, and sexuality, especially moving on fucking forward.